All right, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 and 23. If you have your scripture journal, I see there's still a few available at the back. Uh, take those. We, we have no need for those to collect dust there. If you want one, just take one. Uh, but Galatians 5, 22 to 23, and you'll you know, probably get used to us saying that particular passage for a little bit as we spend some time unpacking the, the fruit of the Spirit over the next uh, few weeks. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the words the Apostle Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia and ultimately came to us. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now last week we looked at the preceding passage uh, that was in this context that where Paul is, was talking about the works of the flesh. And these are the things that are, are contrary to the fruit of the Spirit. And, and so he says these things, the works of the flesh, are evident. And so we walked through those a little bit last week. They are opposite of, of what the Spirit is, is doing. And so we believe that when we come to, to faith in Christ... Uh, that we are, as, as this book has been pointing out to us, we are, we are justified, we are declared right with God by faith, not because of law, not because of our works or our effort, our performance, but through faith. And then we come into a new system of relating to God, and that is by grace. And also in that, we receive the gift of the Spirit. And so this is now what Paul is saying, is that these are, this is the fruit of the Spirit. N.T. Wright says about this, about the fruit of the Spirit, and, and how we, we kind of have this wrestling match a little bit within us of, you know, the works of the flesh and, and the fruit of the Spirit. He says this, it's rather a matter of where your true identity lies, where your deepest motivation comes from, and where the power that rules your life is really found. And so today we're going to be looking at the fruit of the spirit of joy. Now, if you look at it and say, I think this is the first one, but it says the fruit of the spirit is, first of all, love. Well, you know, um, this we're going to focus on that next week as it kind of precedes Valentine's Day. But it also just worked as far as our communion Sunday, an opportunity for us to share out of joy. But that's just what we chose. It doesn't mean that there was necessarily a list that they have to all proceed in this order. Uh, but today we're going to focus on Love, on, no, joy. Just, just making sure you were paying attention there and that you were awake. All right. So the fruit of the Spirit is joy. Now notice, again, there is nine that are listed. But there isn't nine fruits. This is sometimes the way we've, we've understood it. Or, or if you've you know, been in it, we went through this in our, our uh, kids' quest a little while. There's nine fruits of the Spirit, or I don't think they maybe did. There's, there's, there's one fruit. It's singular. The fruit of the Spirit are these things. And so we would say these are characteristics or specific aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. So you know, we, don't, we don't separate them out in terms of, well, uh, of these nine things, I, I really like this one better than that one. 
or I'm, I'm really good at this one, but I'm really not good at this one. And this is, this is a problem when we, we try to separate them all out, because what Paul is saying is when you have the Spirit, you get the whole platter. The fruit, singular. Now, verse 23 says, against these things, there is no law. So on one hand, it could be saying, well, there's no law. There's no limit, no restrictions. That, you know, just go, go crazy. It's not like the, you know, the, the fruit police are going to come to your door, bang, 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 and say, excuse me, sir, you've been exceeding your patient limit, which probably no one would ever do anyways. But it's basically saying, go, go at it. There's no, there's no limit. I don't know if I, you know, I feel like I've just been loving too much. Or, you know, I just, I feel like just, uh, you know, oh, you get the point. There's no, there's no limit. There's no law, no restriction under this. The other side of it, as Paul has been saying in this book, in this letter, that being under law, this is, this is the, the works of the flesh in that regard. But if you are walking with the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit, so the other way of looking at this is such people, not just such things, but such people are not under law. There isn't a law that is holding them to them, binding to them. It's, there's freedom. And so freedom to express the fruit of the Spirit, there's no limit. So the fruit of the Spirit, it's not something that you can manufacture. That's not, you're, you're not supposed to well, I'm going to pick one of these, and I'm going to just really, really work hard at it. Do you see how that would be a contradiction? It's the Spirit who is doing the work. And this is the fruit that will be revealed. Now, at the same time, we don't just say, well, it's, it's the Spirit. And so I don't really have to do anything. I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to be chilling. And, you know, if I'm impatient, well, it's the Spirit's fault. Right? Spirit's not doing the work. I'm, you know, just sitting here waiting. So you're sitting on your couch thinking, man, I don't know, Spirit's got to be working some self-control in me, but I don't know where it is. That's not the point. The idea is, it's not that we don't have a will. It's not that we don't put in some effort. It's just that that's not where we're, we're not graded on that. We're not coming before God and saying it's us that is doing the work. We surrender to the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is, is evident in our life as we surrender and we say, Lord, do your work in us. Then we also recognize, because I know this wouldn't probably fly with anyone that you live with, right? If you just say that, well, it's the Spirit. I, I don't know, I can't help it, but I'm just, you know, being really unkind right now. Um, our daughter, <coughs> uh, Bria, she does, <coughs> excuse me, she does, um, artwork and cards and, and uh, stickers and magnets and things like that. And, and we have one on our fridge, and it says, choose joy. Choose joy. And as I was working on this sermon this week, I was thinking this, and I thought, okay, it's something that we don't manufacture. We don't really work hard at this. It's the, the fruit of the Spirit in us. And then I saw choose joy. And I'm like, okay, at some point or another, the Spirit is he's doing his work in me and bringing out joy, which we're going to focus on. Uh, but I also have a choice in the matter, right? I also can say, I, I need to lean into that. I actually have to allow that, the fruit to, to work out um, 
joy in my life and choose it, or choosing to be kind as we would tell not only our children, but ourselves and everyone else. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus, he identified this. He said that false prophets, as well as his followers, are identified by their fruit. And the idea, you know, what's in the well comes up in the bucket, right? It's going to show itself. So the fruit of the Spirit <clears throat> is joy. And this is where we're getting into now. Joy. Now we're looking at this from a believer's perspective, a Christian's understanding. Because when we look at this list, and we'd say, well, do, do <clears throat> non-Christians have these things? Can they experience love? Can they, you know, be patient? Yes. We'd say from a, a human perspective, these are, are virtues that just being a good human, of which there are, uh, you know, we would see that in their life, their virtues. And those good, you know, people, people that are created in the image of God, they can get a, a taste or they can experience these things. But in this context where it is actually the fruit of the Spirit in us, this is a work of God. And so this is where there is a regenerative work of the Spirit being born again in your life. Now these things are going to take root and they are going to grow and they're going to be evident, manifested, not only in your life personally, but also in the life of the body in the church. It's going to be seen. All right. <clears throat> so let's first of all look at four joy killers. Four joy killers. Paul says in Galatians 4 to the, the believers there in Galatia, what's happened to your joy? What happened to your blessedness? Right? Why, why, why is your joy missing in your life? And so these are four reasons, some of them. Not, I'm sure this isn't a complete list. You can probably come up with more, but this is for, for believers. Some things, what's happened to your joy? First of all, if you're living under law, and this is, again, I'm not going to preach where we've been the last number of months, but this is the point of what Paul has been saying to the Galatians. That you're lacking joy because you're living under a system of relating to God that you can't do. You can't measure up. You have a checklist of rules and regulations and all these things of which you can't measure up. And so you feel, you're feeling the failure, and that kills your joy rather than being under a system by faith, under grace. So you're living under, under a system of law. Secondly, if you're yielding to the works of the flesh, you look back at that list and other things as we see in Scripture where the things of the world, things of the flesh that, that start to take control in your life that you allow, that sin weighs heavy on you. Psalmist says in Psalm 32, 3 to 5, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Um, this is a very visual um, you know, perspective. Last week we talked about the Apostle Paul saying in Romans 7 how, you know, who's rescued me from this body of death, this, this corpse strapped to my back, and he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ. The psalmist here is saying, it's actually, there's a physical side of this, this groaning. It's like your bones are, are groaning. They're wasting away inside. 
because you realize that, that, you, that the sin has been something that hasn't brought glory to God or, you know, joy to you. It's been something that is, is apart from the, the best that God would have for you. And it's having impact on your, your life, your relationship with God, your relationship with other people. Family dynamics are, are strained because you, you've leaned towards the works of the flesh. And they become evident in your life. And so it's something that has sapped your strength. But then the psalmist goes on to say, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. There's, there's the, the movement towards joy, freedom from, from sin, that you can come to God and experience his grace and his forgiveness. Third, a joy killer is wrong expectations of God. You kind of expect that, that God is going to come through for you in a certain way. And, and, I, and this, is, this is a tough one because there's things that we pray that we would say, well, I don't know why this wouldn't happen, why God wouldn't want this to happen. And again, that's, that's another whole sermon, sermon series. But sometimes we get stuck in thinking that God's plans and his purposes are, are for my immediate good, not my ultimate good. But ultimately, his plans, his working, his promises, and his purposes are for his good and for his glory. And that ultimately will bring benefit to us. And so if you hold on to God and you, as, as a cosmic, you know, ATM machine or vending machine and, and you put in a prayer and, it, you know, it pumps out what I want uh, or, you know, and it doesn't, then there is this frustration and so if your joy is tied to, to that, then it, it will be a frustration for you. But when my expectation is that God is on the throne and that I place my trust in him, that he knows what is best, and he is actively working to accomplish his purposes, it's freeing. It's freeing. And I'm not saying that it's easy at times. But no matter what you're going through, and this is the thing about joy, is that it's independent of our circumstances. And we recognize, God, you are on the throne. That you're working towards your purposes. <laughs> and you can rest in that and you put your trust in that. Then the, the circumstances that are going on all around you, you can still experience joy because you know ultimately God is on the throne. Fourth joy killer is forgetfulness, where you forget the blessings and the benefits of God, things that he's done for you, things that he is doing for you in the past and every day. The people of Israel in the Bible, they were, they were very forgetful. This is why it's told, they were told over and over again to remember, to remember, to bring to mind what God has done. That's why they continued to tell the story of, stories of God, of the Exodus, the Passover, the festivals, remembering the faithfulness of God, but also pointing ahead to what God would complete. And so we're going to be participating in that in a few minutes around the table. We're going to remember, because we tend to forget, the blessings and the benefits of God. And so we center ourselves around the key event of what he did for us on the cross. 
All right, so those are the joy killers, but now what, is, what does joy actually look like? There's, there's an internal component and an external component in a lot of these, uh, you know, the fruit of the Spirit, these aspects of the Spirit's work in us. So there's an internal component of joy. Uh, there is a contentment in heart and gratitude. Uh, that, that's just something that as you, as you experience what God has done and you consider his blessings, there's just there, you know, something, something that washes over you. It's just this, this sense of, of joy. And again, it's not just a feeling, but there is a, a deep contentment. There's also a recognition of, of idolatry in your life. When you have steered away, when there's been things in your, in your life that have moved you away uh, from God and his presence, then like I like talked about last week with the sensor light in my, my car, um, and, and thank you to, to those of you who had good ideas of what could be wrong with my car, but no, sorry. Uh, but that sensor light in your spirit that goes on and off, right? And it's just like, there's something going on. There's something wrong. Why am I not experiencing the joy of the Lord in my life? And, and then it, maybe it prompts you. It says, this is something that's actually on the throne of your life rather than, than the Lord. You know what doesn't bring you joy. Internally, there's a clear state of mind that, that's built on the foundation that God is good regardless of my circumstances. Again, not that there won't be moments where there's anxiety or fear or doubt. But you know that there is a comforting reality, that there is a rock, there is a refuge. We see this constantly throughout the Psalms where chaos was reigning all around those who were writing the Psalms. And, and yet they could say, but still I trust in you. Still I find my hope in you. Still, you are the rock, the one that I trust. So it's a, it's a gravitational pull in your life towards God. Internally, there's a solid place that you can run to. God, you are good no matter what. So there's internal, but then there's also the external. Um, and uh, I won't name any names, but we were talking this morning. I was saying, we're talking about joy up here, people. So let's, let's see some, uh, some external joy. And there was a, a comment saying, you know, I feel joy inside. Good. That's important. But there is also a little bit of, okay, it should come out a little bit in your disposition, but authentically, right? Some of us don't always carry ourselves in our, in our face, you know, that, that looks like we, we're, we're happy or we're joyful. And that's, you know, that's okay. That's not, not the deepest point. But in terms of sometimes we could express our, ourselves, our joy that's inside, it should kind of come out in ways, even if it's the way we treat people, the way that we, we worship, express ourselves. It's not that all of us are going to be raising our hands and closing our eyes and, and doing external things. God is looking at the heart. But don't you find that the, the posture of your heart and what's in your heart, it, it needs to find expression. You know, it's like, it's like saying, you know, to someone that you love, you know, a friend or family or your spouse, it's like, you know, I, I love you. Um, well, but you don't say it, and and you don't show it. Well, I just I just love you inside. <laughs> right? It's like I don't know how far that would go, you know, for you. It's like I just I love you inside, but I don't actually tell you or show you. This is the idea of fruit in your life of the spirit. It finds expression externally as well. There's freedom. 
You can walk taller because your, your chains are gone. You don't, you don't have to, to, you know, you might come in today and you might have experienced heaviness of this week. You might have found yourself, man, works of the flesh were, were pulling on me this week. But as you hear the gospel, as you hear the good news of what Christ has done, as you come around this table and you celebrate and say, it's not about you and what you've done, it's what Christ has done, that you can walk out taller not patting yourself on the back at all, but saying, man, I got, I got joy because this is what Christ has done for me. There's freedom in that. Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And we need strength for the days that come to us. The weight of the, of the world and, and struggles that we have is heavy. And so we draw on, again, the gravitational pull of what God has done to us draws us back to where he is on the throne and there is joy there. And finally, joy isn't just for you personally to experience. It's for the body. It's for the life as a church. And so it's expressed in praise. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. And, uh, and then we are going to, to sing a couple more songs. And just before we do that, I'm going to give some instructions as far as how the rest of our time is going to go today, uh, but allow me to, to pray for us as we consider the words that we have heard. Gracious God and our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Spirit who is living in us that is actively working in us and bringing us to a place where we are bearing fruit and seeing the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives. And so today we say we surrender to you, we submit to your authority in our lives. We confess areas where, where we have not allowed joy to find a place to land in us. We pray that you would grow your fruit in our lives and that joy would be manifested in our hearts but also in our living. Amen.